how I asked her to bring my, oh, can't find my stuff. I'll bring my water for now and somebody else will find my Bible and notebook. Thank you. My wife joined me last evening, which I'm very thankful for. Hi, baby. Thank you. And I wanted you to meet her. And uh, before I release her to go be seated where she's much more comfortable, I'm going to ask her to do something she does so very beautifully, and that is pray over you. I have heard this woman pray some prayers over people, over their situations, shifted things in the spirit. And so I'm going to ask her to pray for you. Here I mentioned uh, we've been married 25 years, raised four children. So if some of you are wondering what she said, she said not quite. But I stay ahead of her. And always go forward. Coming in three, four months into the year where we'll be married that time, I always go forward. So November the 6th, 1998, we'll be married 25 years. And so um, it seems so unreal um, that so much time has lapsed. And it seems so unreal that I get to do life with her. And I'm so very thankful for her. So before I say things I shouldn't say, as you know, I can do very quickly. I'm going to let her pray over you all regarding some of the uh, places that you've been in your life. And as you uh, sit here, stand here, kneel here, and digest what God is doing as you're tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. So I'm going to have her pray into your feelings. Amen. And so thank you for being here this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning just so grateful for this opportunity and to come and be able to see all these young people here with an open heart to hear what you have to say to them this weekend. I thank you for the um, effort that they have put into off their jobs or doing extra schoolwork or whatever it was that Um, they had to do in preparation to come that you would bless them for their efforts I pray that as they sit under these men's teaching and the worship time that they would just be completely open to everything that you are speaking them that they would be able to just absorb it all and to go home and process and to become better um friends to their um, sphere of influence, that they would become um, better encouragers to their siblings, to their parents, and just that your light would shine clearly through them in um, each and everything that they do. I pray that these um, sessions that they have sat through would change them, and the things that maybe they feel don't apply right now, you would call them to mind down the road when when they do need those um, words of wisdom and and challenge and encouragement we just thank you for this time bless Matt especially as he speaks and just use him powerfully this morning in Jesus name thank you baby I love another person as much as I love her 
think what I'm going to do this morning is um, go across some material, maybe um, lean into the truth of worship, and also um, end up going into the spirit of worship. And so I'm going to recap some of the things we've talked about and then end up uh, walk, trying to walk us into our reflection time with some meaning into our hearts. How many of y'all feel pretty special to be seated or standing or kneeling in such a presence, in such a place with the Lord, hearing things we never heard before, hearing things... Seeing things we never saw before, experiencing some things we never experienced before, singing a new song. I'm thankful that I don't have to go to Africa anymore to experience that. It's pretty special to me. For many years, I did go to Africa to find that. I don't have to anymore. And God was raising people. In the cloths, and that's disrespectful of the generation that birthed me. You heard it explained as well as you'll ever hear it explained this morning. And it ought to give each one of you the tenacity to walk out of your unforgiveness and walk out of your complexity and just love on God and love on that parent. Your love may not reach them in the way that you think it should. Your unforgiveness may not change a whole lot in the relationship, but at least you're able to move forward, and I thank God for that. So I want us uh, to be able to walk into some reflection time. I'm not sure how much time that's going to be, but I want to give a little bit of prophetic also with so many things of what's coming for you and uh, some of the practical ways to prepare for it. So in, in, in my own and in Eric and in Michael and Luke and, and in our generation, we're having to break through how we handle time. Time on the stage, time in preaching, time, all, all of that. <clears throat> what we're doing is setting the stage for you where time consciousness is lost, even in public gatherings as the Asbury revival. I don't know what all that means, but I know God is setting some things up financially to fund moves of God in order to buy groceries for your kids, in order to pay the rent. God is going to redeem. This is prophetic for your generation. Because you're wondering, how am I going to fund the burden of worship that's on my heart? How am I going to pay my bills? I've heard of people that struggle to pay their bills as missionaries, as ministers. God is orchestrating and rearranging finances in the kingdom. And you're not going to have to worry about it. And it's not because.
because you're lazy that you're not going to work, which I have said that many times. It's because you're lazy in your generation. I'm a business owner, and I work people, and I have made some really poor comments on the job, and I said already to a worker, and thank God you don't have to work for me, but I am changing. I said, it's because you're lazy that you're not taking care of this responsibility that only takes one extra step to accomplish. I've had 40-year-old men, Steve, who don't know how to wrap up a garden hose. And it took me a long time to figure that out. Well, I come to understand their daddy didn't teach them how to wrap up a garden hose at the age of six. And their daddy sure didn't make them take their diaper to the trash can at one years of age, you heard the other day. What am I saying before I move on? What I'm saying is you're because we're not quite there yet. My phone's blowing up with responsibilities. That I'm trying to get out of it as fast as I get into it. I don't understand it. But is it Josiah? Is that you? There was a day that God put on my heart that I want to run a million dollars of net profit through my account in a year. And have a million dollars outside of that to run through 501Cs. Because I want to fund what God has called you to do. And I'm just really little in this. And there's people that have tens of millions of accessible dollars. And you're worrying who's going to pay the bills when God comes? And you're not able to go to work on Monday morning? On Monday morning, I'll put on a pouch and go to work. And it's been the hardest thing that I've done in my life. Other than when my wife's mad at me and we go to bed. And you've heard this preached your whole life. Don't go to bed. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Because as a kid, my brother and I would be at odds with each other, right? And we'd squabble. But there was an atmosphere in our home that created apologies. And we'd apologize to each other and go to sleep like babies. I get married, and there's things that happen, and my wife's upset at me. And I don't, I don't even know why. I'll tell you a little bit when we get into some stuff a little bit later. And by faith, I take my arm and I put it on her. I'm mad at her. I'm dealing with not forgiving her for the things that happened that day, for the things that were said. She was the actor. I was the reactor. I always thought acting was a worse sin than reacting. And I ended up having victimized feelings. And I thought for some way that's more spiritual. And come to understand that I had just as great a problem as she did. So you'll always have one acting out more and the other one reacting. It's just going to happen. Or vice a husband or wife. And I put my arm over on her. 
Not that night, two days later. That's how we got through some of that stuff. I have no idea how I got to talking from money to how to take care of your wife. I don't know that happened. But what am I saying? How do we deal with the responsibilities that are coming our way Monday morning? You're being told this is coming. How do we prepare for it? So we talked about worship. We talked about the invitation. The Father seeks those that worship in spirit and in truth. We made a big deal about that call to worship. We talked about the attack of the call. And why so many bullets are shot at those that are worshipers. You're going to take some bullets on in this coming week that you never took on before in your life. Some of you know that from going to conferences and getting stirred in your heart and and just walking with the Lord. And so some extra curriculum will be coming by your way. Aren't you enjoying that announcement? I'm not so much worried how we act or react here, how... How high our hand goes or how much we cry, I like all of that a lot. What I want to sow into is your Monday morning because that's where it was the hardest for me. I'd come home from prison crusades and put on my work shoes and just about explode inside of me because I just wanted to be in full-time ministry. It wasn't that I liked a mic so well. I just wanted to help people that were hurting. God's called me to do both. So that's what we want to do both today. We want to work on the truth and the spirit for a few minutes. You responded so well over this weekend that I knew that God has some special things in store for us because we can't do what we do at the next level as singing preachers if there's not a receptive heart. You're taking us deeper. You're requiring it. You're expecting it out of us to take you deeper than you ever were before, and we appreciate that hunger. This man said some things from a platform that he never said before. And at the end, we agreed true worship is a valuing of God's. How much is he worth to you is what we concluded with. How much do we expend on him? Seeks those that worship in spirit and in truth. We ended up talking about surrender. In the spirit, we find closeness. Somebody say closeness. The spirit's working this weekend. There's closeness there. In the truth, we find courage. There's been a lot of truth been coming to the table this weekend. That's where we find courage. That's why it's so important for this to be married and to be activated in our lives together. We talked about the evangelical persuasion, which leans so heavily in the spirit. We talked about the reformed persuasion, which leans so heavily on the truth. 
and you're saying, what does reformed mean? What does evangelical mean? What you need to understand that God wants to use you simultaneously in both. There's something in the heart of God that has called my wife and I to be responsible over funds. You and the number I just shared with you a moment ago, our numbers that are astounding. Those are some very small numbers compared to men and women of God that I'm in their paths with. We had the opportunity to go meet a place of business. I flew with my friend in a private airplane and we went to visit his business at 31 years old was doing $24 million in a year. The parent company that his brothers owned was doing a hundred and fifty million dollars a year and if you have a sold out surrendered businessman how big do they really write that check out if they know it's going to the right place some of them are holding back because of some of the abuse that has been in the kingdom regarding money They don't want to buy your pleasure, but they will fund your God movement. Somebody say amen. I feel like I was preaching and it wasn't in me this morning. Are we okay? Surrender. Surrender. In the spirit we find closeness. In the truth we find courage. Jesus, in the garden, surrendered. Jesus had closeness with his Father. Jesus had the Father. One preacher said, God isn't asking for much. He's asking for everything. In your surrender, you find safety. It's in surrender, you find security. Not only surrender in worship, I want to just briefly talk about sacrifice in worship. In the book of Jeremiah, it says this, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness. The voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. The voice of them that shall say, praise the Lord of hosts. For the Lord is good, for his mercy endures forever. And them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. If your praise doesn't cost you something, it's not much of a praise for I will cause to return the captivity of the land I will cause to return there's a captivity over the United States of America and the Lord wants that to be returned a captivity the first saith the Lord hey I just want you to know that for a couple few years though there I became cynical because revival wasn't coming my prayers weren't being answered the way I thought it was and I became cynical not only with people but from God but there's something waking up inside of me and I'm saying Lord bring it back I'm ready for the third great awakening how many of you are ready for an awakening to come to this land because here in the United States we as a whole I'm not 
talking about you, but as a whole, we don't even understand what it is to bring a sacrifice. Baby, if you would just uh, bring my keys for my truck and lay them right here, if you would, please. Thank you. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 5. Thank you. I think I put the wrong reference down, and I can't find the verse I was looking for, but sacrifice in worship. I'm going to go pretty quick now, but sacrifice, abandonment, abandonment, giving up control. Robert Morris, which is a leading speaker on the subject of worship. And has taught on some things that have completely changed my life regarding worship. He says a lot of people sing, but do not abandon themselves to God. They come to worship in control, and they leave in control. They come to their time with the Lord in control. They leave that time with the Lord in control. In Genesis chapter 2, verses number 1 to 18, we have the story of Abraham and Isaac being taken to the mountain to be sacrificed. You know Isaac, the one that was long waited for, the promised son. That, that which God had promised him and his wife, Sarah, God now calls him to let it go. And there's an interesting phrase there that has caught my attention for many years. And it's this. It says, early. Somebody say Early. I had a hard time with early this morning because of the late. And he gets up early, and his servants, and Isaac, his son, and they go up the mountain. And Isaac says, the wood and the fire, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, God will provide. And he lays Isaac there on the altar. Did you know that any time that God asks you to sacrifice your meal, your possessions, whatever it may be, did you know that God always has something in mind after that? And it helps us a little bit process because we have this entire story about Abraham and his son Isaac. 
But in those verses, it says that Abraham went up there to worship, telling me that in the hardest thing that he was ever asked to do in his life, not even in the same book as being asked to leave your land. But see, Abraham already had a track record of obedience, of receiving God. And how many of you know that when you walk that walk of obedience, sometimes it feels it just doesn't let up. You say, why did you go up on the platform at the expense of interrupting, at the expense of what so many people are going to think? It's called obedience. And I've been doing it so long that God knows that I need to keep being stretched because that's really unorthodox. To do that. So that's a sacrifice for me. It's not something I wake up in the morning excited to do that kind of way. But it can be done where it doesn't draw attention to you. And that's what we're so scared of. And it draws attention to the Lord. I'm not here bragging on my obedience But I'm here to show you something about Abraham and a few little illustrations about the sacrifice of worship. If we can't sacrifice in with surrender, we have such shallow worship. Those who were called out, some of you, it may have been easy, but I know this for a fact. For some, it cost them everything they had ever come to to this point in their life to step out. And that's why I invited the shy ones, because something's going to shift in their life so that they can walk at the next level of their calling. Okay? So they sacrifice something that some of us don't even understand. So that's why sacrifice is so personal to each one of us, Abraham. And we have the story to learn. Remember when Job was given all this information about his possessions. And then it got much more personal because it touched his family. While we're talking about that, we we have some folks here who have lost two sons, two brothers, two, three. I had no idea how the Lord would communicate this, but here's your moment. For Job, it was all of them. Your next step, no shame, no condemnation, no immaturity. Your next step is to celebrate the living ones and the kids at the next level. The energy of grief that you have processed so incredibly well and have walked in maturity and have wept and cried again and again and again. And sometimes it feels like it just doesn't go away because it's 
everywhere and you feel it everywhere. The shift that's happening after 23 years of God to walk back in a place of a microphone to help you is your next level assignment. You've been doing it well. Is this young man, his spouse to be, his children, and there's going to be a shift of attention. You're not going to forget the memories, but you're going to walk in the next level of healing, and you're going to feel an energy pour out, and that energy will heal you as much as the 10 years of grief, and it'll happen in a year. Job rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down, and the Bible says he worshipped. Now, I told you the story of looking at both of my parents dying in front of my eyes. I didn't fall out on my knees. I had because I would have done better what am I saying the sacrifice and worship the abandonment and then the adoration and will gears in just a few moments and they sung a new song Please sing, Worshippers Arise Again. Please. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals there, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed. Somebody say redeemed. Hey, somebody take a moment and give God a praise break for you being the one that's redeemed. Go ahead, give him some praise. Some of you need to stand up. Go ahead. Some of you need to stand up. Take a praise break out of your seat and worship the Lord. Hey, the Bible says to rejoice. That you're, come on, girls. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Stand up. Worship the Lord. Don't stop right. The Bible says to praise Him, to worship Him, the redeemed of the Lord. Hey, half of our problem in Christianity is we don't know how to get happy in Jesus. Hey, all I'm doing is helping you like some people help me. I didn't know salvation, but this morning, the redeemed of the Lord said so. Thank you for that. You can have a seat. Now, if you think that helped me, or some of us loud ones, and how neat that was for even the quiet ones to go after it, how much more did our Heavenly Father look down over the banisters of heaven to see what was going on in Cleveland, North Carolina? Hallelujah to the Lamb of God that taketh away and hath made us into our God kings and priests and shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 saying with a loud voice, worthy. 
worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing in every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea. And all that are in them heard I sing, blessing and honor and glory and power beyond him that sitteth upon the throne and into the Lamb forevermore. Did I say we're talking about adoration? Not only abandonment in worship, but adoration in worship. Your praise in a time of worship, God will use for the one that's emotionally locked down. And a crowd this size, there's somebody who doesn't know how to put their hands out. But I was that one, feeling like I couldn't touch God and God couldn't touch me. And I was frozen in my emotion and felt forgotten. And when I was in a meeting like this, Monday I felt way worse than I did at the meeting or even before. And I would say, God, why am I even going? I went because I needed to see somebody that was connecting. Eventually I connected. So if you're here today, it's okay. I release you from shame or guilt. You may not be able to identify with that excitement or that adoration. It's okay. All right? It's okay. Not only abandonment, but adoration. He's worthy. So in closing this out, this part, in order to exalt him, to adore him, to worship him, to praise him, we must first abandon self to fully trust in a culture that teaches love self, take good care of self, pamper self, deserves, and grace covers it all. It seems to me it's consider abandonment. But I'm really happy today to be with a group of young'uns that have already been living in abandonment. And in adoration. I don't know what God has asked you to sacrifice. The day this happened to me, it was a big deal and it put me into a pretty big spin. But God has done something in me. You remember I shared with you that I took number three and threw it as hard as I could. What I didn't know was what was left with that keychain. the sacrifice of worship, allowing God to touch anything in our lives. And I, I hesitate even to bring in people and family. Two years after my parents passed, the Lord asked me to spiritually lead my siblings and their families. I'm number six of seven. You don't do that. And when you guys talked about Saul and David, the Lord said, right there it is. I could have fast-forwarded that, Steve, by the half of the time it's taken me. Do you know what it was? Saul didn't communicate what the Lord had said. Watch this real carefully. Because it was easier for me to spiritually lead my family 
than it was to tell them. We have been so scared of doing the wrong thing because of the counterfeit. I recognize this weekend I should have told my family and dealt with those repercussions 30 years ago. My oldest brother didn't know any of this at the time. And I led him from complete spiritual death, wrecked relationships with his wife and his children. And out of the seven of us, he's probably doing the best. Restored the relationship, David, with every one of his kids, one by one by one. His oldest son's son. The noise was so great when that event took place at a camping group and people prayed over him that the trees were crashing as the demons fled. That's my family. But many, many years ago, he went with me to a prison crusade and God used an inmate to completely rearrange his heart. And he's never been the same. If I would pick one man, one man to have beside me, if I'd pick one, it's my brother. My wife knows that to be true. He's one of the godliest men I know and handles millions of dollars like no one I've ever seen and handles people. So well, the sacrifice of worship. He went through total ruin financially, emotionally, relationally, every level. And God built him back. And if God can build him back, he can build you back, and he can build back any body. Or anything. I'm in a worship service just a few short years ago, and I was getting heavy. And there was some out of town friend leading worship. I had bought my first brand new truck I ever had, 2018 four door GMC, just like the one out in the lot. Never dreamed I'd be able to have something like that. And as I've done many times, I don't like keys in dress pants. So I take them out before I get up to preach. And I laid it right there. The truck had 4,000 miles on it. And as I dropped my keys, God said, I want you to give it away. thinking, really? I must have had some bad pizza last night. I've heard some things, but I've never heard anything like that or at that level. So I'm reeling in my feelings. Because I was feeling some stuff. 
Remember I had said I never set my heart on anything. I didn't intentionally mislead you, but I want to show you what happened here as we move through this story. And not only did he tell me to give it away, because the next thought is who and when and how. I had no intention of doing anything publicly. And there was a man there that had taught at our conference local to Columbia that had been deep in debt. And he was an investor, but he had over-leveraged money. And he had money borrowed from his father. And he had taught at our conference. And at one point, he had worked six jobs to get out of debt. He went to the Dave Ramsey show, did the shout, and did all of that. And are very successful by-cash people. And he had taught at our conference that we put on, a business conference, which turned into a bit of a revival conference that I'd love to tell you about someday. And I, for the first time, gave value, one of the first times, to somebody that didn't need it. This guy didn't need it. And the Lord said, I want you to give that truck to Jesse. I want you to do it now. And I gave that key to him, and he had such a hard time to take that truck. That story is still being developed. The sacrifice of worship. And when I look, and God had given me Abraham and Isaac that morning, and I didn't know why. And that's, there's no comparison, as you know. But I never thought, Alyssa, is it Alyssa? I never thought that I'd be financially at a place where I could even do that. So in order to have a greater capacity to give, you need to have a greater capacity to receive. Some of us haven't done so well at that. So when somebody wants to give you something, take it and say, thank you. Wow, that's a blessing. Whether it's a dollar or a truck. Now watch this. Somebody has a house that they want to give somebody. What if it be you? Would you down a house? I mean, God's going to give you something special for being bold enough to sit on the front row. It wasn't me. I promise you that. I always sat in the back. Try this. Just put your hand out like this. Because of what we've talked about, sometime in your life, I'm believing God to drop a house right into your hand and give you the responsibility to carry that in the kingdom. A house with at least two acres on it. Just receive it. I know you guys are tired and... Digging this deep emotionally wears us out. Um, Do you have time just for a little bit more? I'll do my very best. I I have one head shake. Do we have a couple? Are you sure? I can stop. We have lunch at 12, is that correct? Or 11.30? I'm going to do this um, quicker than I was planning to. We're going to keep that as close as possible. This morning God told me 
to minister out of my healing. And then secondly, he said, speak to the emotions. Some of you are familiar with this uh, teaching body, soul, and spirit. I, I don't do well in understanding all of that. I can identify just a little bit more with mind, will, and emotion. We're talking about the holistic gospel. One of you as students mentioned the holistic gospel that you experience here and how thankful you are. So humor me just for a little bit. Mind, will, and emotion. Which one of the speakers has been speaking to the mind? Luke. Which one of the speakers have been speaking to the will? The choices. Steve. Which one of the speakers have been speaking to the emotions? Help me out. And the longer I do this, the better I want to communicate because it took you a minute. I don't know if you're shy of me or if I'm not in my job as well as I should be. But my one of my highest to lay my hand, whether in the spirit or on a person, and heal their emotion. It's one of the things that really excites me. We talk about, let me wrap that up with this. Michael's been moderating and has been doing such an incredible job with it. He's the one that facilitates the three of us and keeps the three of us from fighting or thinking we have the best message or the most time or da-da-da-da, okay? He's the one that we all defer to saying, is this okay? Are we okay? You know, we're trying in our generation, I mean, are there boundaries or not boundaries? You know, where do we find um, struggle like crazy with time? And by the time God releases from it, we struggle again with time. You know, and Eric's saying, do I do this or don't I? Um, he didn't tell me that, but I know what that feels like. And so I'm doing that even now. God wants to take all those breaks off. And by you sitting in the sacrifice of worship in when your body's shutting down, your mind starts shutting down with it and you don't walk out. If you do walk out, it's okay because sometimes you just have to. Okay? God is setting off. We still, we're still doing this. And is it, am I close, Michael? So Michael, in my opinion, has a much greater responsibility than any of us speakers. And I honor that in you and you do it so well. Keep that close to you. That's the gift you and Rhoda bring. And then you have Rhoda that I help but say the intercession that she has done over the years and especially over the last couple weeks that make this possible to do it with freedom and let me be who I am. Let Luke, Luke say amen. I need to hear some feeling or emotion. Amen. His voice, my, you ought to get paid for that voice. Oh my goodness. We appreciate each one of, of you and your giftings. And the things I'm learning with Steve that does it more differently than I've ever seen in my life. And yet the Lord used that to shift something that's been sitting on me for almost 30 years. That's like the five-fold ministry. See, in churches you have evangelism 
and you have teaching and pastoring, those are readily accepted, Protestant, Anabaptist, and across the world. But you put prophetic and apostle on that, now the devil's not okay. He'll let this operate all day long and not fight it a whole lot. But you get this guy alive and this one, oh, trouble's coming. Y'all are looking at me. The thumb is the apostle. It's barren dather or a mother that was an apostle and they bore down on you and it hurt you and you reacted to the gift that was in them. They're just being an apostle. They just want your life to be successful and operate properly and in order. And then you have the prophet that's sticking his finger in your business. And the prophet gets really close to your stuff. And he makes you really feel uncomfortable. And he starts poking at stuff that you don't really want poked at. And, and, and. And then you have the middle finger, which is the evangelist. He reaches further than anybody else. And then you have the ring finger, which is the pastor and loves like nobody else. And then you have the small finger, which is the teacher, and he gets right up in your ears. Love it. I was in a counselor's office and with my baggage and my junk. I don't know the age I was when this took place, but the counselors did such a good job of trying to uh, gather this baggage for God to get rid of it. And they led me through prayers, and it was very beautiful. And I, I began to see some word pictures, and I began to see a, a pile of shame connected to the story that I shared with you just the other day. Uh, shame and condemnation and guilt and just a suppression. And I began to picture a big pile of this. Now, I grew up in the grading world, so I understood pictures of equipment. And what I saw God doing as I was listening to him and they were leading in prayer, I saw this massive bulldozer push this off out over the edge. I didn't know what was underneath the pile, but out over the edge into a body of water. And I'm like, man, that's cool. Get rid of all the rubbish at one swoop with the dozer. I'm thinking, man, I'm going to have some relief. I'm going to have some hope. And I did have hope that day. But here's what happened in my emotions. As I was watching this story of the garbage that was in my life being pushed out, and I noticed how many of you um, have seen this at Lex or other places where decking is like grates, and you can see straight through the water. It's stable. It's made out of aluminum or steel. It's not planking, but it's grates. And I saw all the leftovers, because a dozer doesn't make that clean of a sweep. There's going to be other things still there. And the Lord began to show me anything that was left fell down through the grate. And some of you like to have a story like that. God will give you a story that will change your life. And so what I began on and forgotten most of my life and still deal with some of those feelings where I get misused or misunderstood. And so the Lord showed me that I'm like these grates and it just falls down. So anytime somebody walks on me, it can accumulate. Now watch this. I'm going to tell you a couple story and then I think we're going to take the time to listen to something Alyssa has to share and then go into our time of reflection. And the Lord showed me that's a t- that platform 
is attached to my calling. And it was there in the mind of God before I was conceived. So now my story makes sense because were it not for some of those providential allowances and setups from the Lord, I would not be able to share this story this way. So now a part of my calling is to provide a platform for people to access a fulfilled life. Imagine a house at the lake with a boat. Somebody wants to enjoy the lake platform that takes them from their lake house to the boat. How many people really like, oh, that's a nice platform. That platform's really doing a cool job. Oh, hats off to you. Thank you. And I've had to learn to be okay with that. And it was somewhat of a sacrifice. Because the flesh in all of us wants to be noticed, wants to be, watch this now, appreciated. And that's not all wrong. I'm not here to dig into that. But here's how some of that cleanup looks like. And I recognized it the other day as my wife came into town and we're briefing before we come over to service and we're just talking a little bit of everything and we're talking about memories. And she talked about coming past Davis Hospital where our son and daughter were born and how she hardly remembered where it was in that period of our life is quite foggy. We were listening to her a little bit, and and she mentioned, she says, you remember that night that we went to the hospital and I was having contractions? And she got just this little bit of edge. I still picked it up, but it wasn't near like it has been. Now watch what happens. Because when a preacher back in the day got vulnerable with a story, I still remember it. I couldn't believe he shared it. It didn't make sense to me as a single guy, and I've used it hundreds and thousands of times in my life. And God reminded that story for me to share this story. And she's cool with it. Might not be her preference, but she's cool. Now what, watch what happened. She said, do you remember you had borrowed, lent your car out to somebody, and we had to get in the tr- to go to the hospital That's, or heard that. 25 years. And something happened inside of me that was pretty special. Because I would have reacted normally. Like, I was doing a good thing lending my car out and we had another vehicle. You know, what's the big deal? Okay, guys? What's the big deal? But she remembered that as a hard thing or maybe even negative. And I began to tear up. Joey, I didn't really understand. And here's what happened. And this is much newer to me than it should be, Michael. I've walked in some of it. Here's what I did. I said, honey, as I'm crying, I said, I'm sorry that my perimeters of caring for your heart were so narrow. And I never saw that before because I thought I was such a caring husband. But I've missed her heart sometimes. But it was because my intentions were good. I was sincere. So whenever she would have mentioned something like that, I would have reacted and come against it. 
and had my feelings hurt. And that one incident did something for us that we'll spend a lifetime enjoying. I'm sorry that my perimeter in caring for your heart was that narrow. So we're talking about emotional things. And as we go into our quiet time, I just noticed I did sit up with the time. My calculation was really wrong. Somebody came and said, hey, you come pray with this young lady. I don't leave a service. I don't know if I ever have four something like that. I'm like, it can wait. So I went to my leader, which is Michael, and said, what do I do? He said, no, this needs to happen. He knew about the story. So that's why I came, because the young lady that came to bring you was like, why doesn't he come? Because she had such a heart for you to have healing. Would you just share in a couple minutes? Come up front, please, um, so they can see you and share with us um, what has happened to you. Yeah, so just a little bit of background on what happened last night. Um, a little over three years ago, um, I didn't know the Lord. Um, I was pretty deceived and thinking, you know, I was doing all the right things and things like that, and I went to church. Um, and I had been dating this guy for almost a year. Um, we were very serious. Even though we were only 18, we were, you know, planning for marriage and things like that. And uh, he was in a single truck accident, and uh, he was killed. And um, obviously, my life was completely wrecked and changed and all of that. And in the weeks uh, and months after that, The Lord saved me um, in just such a supernatural way. Like, I'm not Calvinist, but I don't feel like I did anything except for reach my arms out. And he just washed over me. Yeah, so it's been awesome. Um, It's been a really great journey, and I've... I thought I was fine. I keep thinking I'm like completely healed and all of those things. But the Lord was showing me and last night showed me again that I'm not. And even though um, he healed my spirit, like there's still parts of my mind and soul and whatever those things are that still need healing. And so during worship, I couldn't stop crying and and the Lord put on my mind, he's like, you need to talk to Matt. You need to talk to Matt. You know you can get healing, and why don't you reach out? And so I ended up, you know, I was like, Lord, I can't do it. Like, I'm too scared. Like, send me somebody to help me. And so I went to the bathroom for a minute and then stepped out, you know, just hoping someone would come by. And um, this girl sitting over there, Lily, she came over and, Hugged me and prayed with me. Yes. And um, 
she asked me if she could do anything for me. And so I said, yes, please get Matt. And so we went to the prayer room um, with Rhoda. And he prayed with me and Rhoda prayed with me. And um, the Lord did a lot of things. But one thing I saw... um, and even mentioned a little bit before, which wasn't really in relation to the Lord healing me, but I saw it again, just how the Lord died for that. He died to put an end to death. And I just saw the picture, the vision of Jesus, just like I said before, his body torn and ripped and his organs and... Um, muscles and everything just showing and being beaten. And I can see just his face looking at me, and I see his eyes. And he knows. He knows. And he's continuing to heal me. you Alyssa for sharing that and one of my reasons of asking her to do that is um, to let you know it's okay um, to ask for help and Rhoda shared some just really beautiful treasures to her that she's going to be able to use the rest of her life and we had the opportunity of speaking and some hope and Alyssa just experienced a, a large level of rest that the Lord had given her um, through just hearing him in peace. And so what I'm saying is there's people here that do that well. So as you go into your time of reflection out here at the front, for whoever wants to dig into that a little bit in your time of reflection, and I'll be available um, for another day. And um, so I'm happy to dig in some of that with you. Michael, do you have something um, that you want to share in releasing um, the folks to um, their reflection time? And then uh, what time lunch will be? Do you want to come up? And and again, I'm available if somebody wants to have more healing in their life. 